Hey there. Welcome to Imperfectly Pollyanna, a podcast where we have real and honest talk while finding the good in the imperfections, whether in homeschool, faith, health, or overall life. I am your host, Courtney, a faith-filled homeschool mom of two, certified health coach, licensed medical professional, and eternal optimist. I am so glad you're here. You know, whenever you first have a child and that little baby seems so sweet and innocent, I mean, technically they really are at that point in time, aren't they? I remember whenever I first brought home my son from the hospital, or actually rather, even while I was still in the hospital after delivery, and as I looked at him, I was so overwhelmed with the knowledge that I was responsible for this tiny human. Honestly, I was absolutely terrified. After all, what did I know about raising a kid? Sure, I had worked as a daycare teacher for over 10 years from the time I was a teenager, and I was even our church's children's pastor for about 12 years. I had younger siblings, and I have always loved kids, but I was never the person that actually had to raise them. (laughs) At the end of the day, a parent always showed up. It was my job to teach them, or lead them, or take care of them for a specific amount of hours during the day, but that was it. Then they got to go home. There were so many things that I looked forward to in being a mom. All those years of infertility and miscarriages, medications, ultrasounds, tests, and surgeries, planning and dreaming, and all the things, they all led me to a moment that left me in awe, knowing that I finally had the thing, or rather person, I had always dreamt of holding in my arms. I remember one of my favorite things to do every morning with my son was to go and sit on our back porch and listen to all the nature around us while I sang to him. As he got a little bit bigger, we enjoyed taking a blanket to the park and we would sit or I would push him in the swings and listen to a sweet little giggle as he felt the rush of the breeze on his face. It was so cute. Whenever it got to fall time, I had all these handmade hats <laughs> that friends had sent me they had made, and I had a pumpkin, a bear, and even this really cute one that had his initial on the front and two little pom-poms on the top. My dad and some other other people in church were like, he is going to be so mad at you whenever he gets older, but I didn't care because he was so stinking cute. There were all of these small moments that would have probably seemed insignificant to anyone else, but as his mom, it filled my heart with so much joy that I felt like my heart would explode. And if you are a parent, then I am sure that you totally understand that. I actually spent the first four months of his life sleeping in a recliner because that was the only way that he would sleep at night. The only reason that changed was because, well, we took a trip to Disney and we didn't have a recliner in our room, so he had to sleep in the bed. But then it went to me sleeping in the bed with him, so my husband had a bed all to himself. Wasn't he lucky? Mom life. And when we came back, you guessed it, he then began sleeping in the bed with us. We tried things like getting him those little fun toddler beds. He had a fire truck one. And we tried laying on the floor of his room until he fell asleep. And no, before you even ask, I never did the cry it out method because... That's just not something that I was comfortable with or I felt I needed to do. I don't care if it's worked for other people. I had no desire to try that with my kid. And then whenever we became pregnant with our daughter, it was then that we figured we should probably be a little bit more proactive in trying to get him to sleep in his own room. 
Now, I'm not going to take you through the long drawn out process of what that looks like for us. But I will fast forward and say that whenever I became pregnant with our daughter, I remember whenever we dropped my son off at my mother-in-law's the night before my C-section to have my daughter and I was an absolute hot mess. It was high flu season that year and they were not letting children or any anyone other than immediate family into the hospital. I had never left him other than overnight at a family member's house. So knowing that I was going to be gone for up to four days and him not be able to see me stressed me out so much. They were actually concerned because my heart rate and my blood pressure was through the roof at the hospital. I remember whenever we dropped him off, I began crying at one point because, I mean, obviously hormones were going on too, but I was so worried that I was going to do something to mess him up by having another child. I worried that he would think he wasn't enough, so that I just had to have another child because he wasn't enough. And I worried that he would feel left out or like my love for him had changed because there was another child in the mix. I worried so much about how he would handle it. And what happened? he turned out to be the best big brother I have ever seen. And that's not an exaggeration at all. I began calling him the baby whisperer because my daughter was so colicky. She screamed for like the first six weeks of her life. And the only way that she would stop was if he came up to her and sang or spoke to her. And it was just, it was beautiful. I involved him every time that I gave her a bath or changed her diaper and he even had his very own big brother tool belt. As both of my children have grown, and I'm sure you understand this as well, watching them do things like exploring and learning, processing things whenever something clicks in their head, hearing them express themselves, all these parts of watching them grow up is both incredible and terrifying. I remember holding them both as a baby and watching them take their first steps Hearing them call my name out in the night, all those sleepless nights that you thought would never end, and being so beyond exhausted that you don't even know how you are functioning are all the things that I used to pray for. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my sleep. I really do. Well, yes, there have been so many nights of being up and exhausted and feeling emotional because of all of it. And just begging the Lord to please give me an hour of peace so I can try to get some sleep. Those are not necessarily the moments that I would want to have back on a regular basis anymore, especially now that I'm in my 40s. But having the privilege of raising these two gifts, and that's what they are. Children are a gift from the Lord. We should never take them for granted, nor should we ever take for granted the huge responsibility that we have to care for them, protect them, provide for them, and teach them how to live in this world. Parenting is probably one of the hardest jobs. Actually, I take that back. Parenting is absolutely the hardest yet most rewarding job that anyone could ever have. I mean, I'm not getting paid for it unless you count payments and hugs and hearing I love you's and bedtime kisses. And if that's considered a payment, then I am truly rich. Even as my kids are out of those sleepless night stages, praise the Lord, and I see how they are growing daily more and more into themselves There is still nothing better than walking into my house at the end of a long shift and hearing my kids running through the house, yelling my name and giving me a ginormous hug. One of the things that I really love about homeschooling is being able to still have those moments that seem so small, yet not a lot of parents have the opportunity. For example, I get to be there whenever my kids learn a new concept in math. (laughs) 
or I learn a new concept in math, if we're being honest, or hearing their excitement whenever they first learn how to read more complex sentences, being able to watch them as their faces light up when they become enamored by learning some new fact. Not only do I get to see those happen in real time instead of hearing about it from someone else, I get to be the one to help them accomplish those things. Now, I will say that we are involved in a homeschool co-op, so every Monday we spend all day there. Each of my kids have classes that they go to, and they are led by other mentors or teachers. And so in that sense, I do get some stuff after the fact, but I love being able to listen to them tell me all the details on the way home about what they learned that day. I don't have to have a teaching degree in order to teach my kids because I've been teaching them things from the moment they were born. And when I have subjects that I'm not super strong in, guess what? There are ways to source that content and still get it done with them. I've talked about those things before, and that's not what this episode is all about, but it is related. Now, I want to ask you something before I continue. Something that I want to truly challenge you to think about before answering. And if you have to stop and put this episode on pause for a second so you can really think about it, that's totally fine. I'll still be here whenever you come back. Here's the question. When you think about your kids, what is the line that you won't allow anyone to cross in order to protect them? Do you have an obvious blanket answer like, I won't allow anyone to physically hurt my kid? Or maybe, I won't allow harm to come to my child? Those are some pretty simple and obvious answers, right? Not that you would be wrong to say them because I completely agree with you. Someone comes at my kid with a weapon or tries to attack one of them, I'm stepping in before they get a chance. I make sure that they wear their seatbelts when in a car, helmets when on a bike, and yes, because of my line of work, I always have worst case scenarios going on in my head, so it's a balance to not worry too much. Although, I'll just admit this to you, I am not a parent that gets worried if my kids are sick or injured. I mean, sure, I care and I do what I can to take care of them in the moment, But I'm also the mom that says, is it broke? Do we need to cut it off? No, then okay, you're good. (laughs) But of course, that didn't work back when my son actually did break his hand while at gymnastics. At least it wasn't his neck, though. Well, that's how I see it. Anywho, back to the question at hand. Whether you birth your child yourself or adopted, the moment you had him or her in your arms, your heart was immediately in love with them. So... Do you have a hard line that you won't allow to be crossed when it comes to protecting your child? Does it vary depending on the situation or what type of hurt it is? Are you willing to allow words to hurt them but not hands? Do you allow them to learn the hard way? Is there a balance? Think about that for a second. I tend to overthink a lot. So for me, I think about how I will protect my kids as much as I can, knowing I can't protect them from everything, especially the older they get. I think about how there will be times when I can try and tell them all the right ways to live, and they will still have to learn some things the hard way. And that's a hard thing to swallow. I hate to see my children hurting, physically or emotionally, but... Does that mean once I get them out of the toddler stage and they can feed and dress themselves that I just throw caution to the wind and let them figure it out life out for themselves is that really a question that needs answering while we shouldn't worry about tomorrow I do think 
we need to think about the end of our parenting. When our kids are grown and living their adult life, what sort of people do we hope to have raised? When you see stories in the news or in social media about children and even teens experiencing things in school or extracurricular activities that either make your heart break or your blood boil, when do you think you would have drawn the line as the parent before it got to that point? Would you have already been looking for warning signs? Signs of drug abuse, bullying, depression? What about when you see adults taking advantage of their position in the lives of children? When you hear the reports of things teachers have said to their students that blatantly bash their parents? Or government officials who belittle parents for standing up for their children? When would you draw a line in those situations? Not only that, but when that line is crossed, have you thought about what that would look like for you? As in, like, what would it look like for you to react and move? You know, whenever you watch a movie that involves a war of some sort, or even a show that involves law enforcement having to gain entry to a dangerous situation, you know how there's this moment of holding? Like, they, they're standing still, waiting for the right moment, And then when the signal is given, the soldiers or officers move in for battle or conflict. I think about those moments when I'm thinking about my own actions or lack thereof as a parent. There is a time to stand still and a time to move. Not only that, but even before that happens, there is a process. A process that involves training putting on gear, protection, some sort of armor, right? Unless it's a comedy, and then, well, that's a different type of movie that we don't want to watch in order to learn about how we should parent. When we look at the end results of our parenting, how do we hope our kids turn out? We can't guarantee that they will end up being the person we dreamt for them, and we will have to accept facts that they will likely make decisions that we felt wasn't best. However, It can be really overwhelming and discouraging when we see story after story of how bad the world is getting. We can easily be consumed with fear that our children are going to grow up in a world where they won't have the experiences or life we had hoped. For so long during the pandemic, our kids had to miss out on activities and visiting with friends because we were all told it was for everyone's safety to stay home and away from everything and everyone like a bunch of lepers. (laughs) Now, don't come at me. I am well aware that we didn't understand what was going on at the beginning, so we did what we could to protect our families and loved ones. But I remember being sad for my kids missing their gymnastic stuff, missing their friends, going to visit their grandparents, going on vacation, all that stuff. There have been many times over the last few years that I felt this feeling of heaviness when it came to raising my kids. Not because they are difficult to raise, but because I wanted so much for them. So much more than what the world was dishing out, and still is. It got to a point when I couldn't hold that heaviness anymore. I didn't know what to do, how to explain things to them, and wanted so badly to create our home as a safe haven. Then there's this thing that has been slowly gaining momentum in my head, and my heart. And I hope that I can get this out in a clear way because I'm still working it out myself, honestly. There's not a line that has been crossed. 
there are actually several lines that this world is fighting to cross when it comes to our children. It wants to tear families apart, raise our children to be people they were not created to be, and destroy us as parents. But wait, (laughs) there's more. See, we cannot become complacent. There is nothing new under the sun, and there is nothing that is a surprise to God. If you are at all familiar with biblical stories, you will remember that there were specific people who were chosen to make waves, stand up, speak out, and change things during their own time. Moses, despite his insecurities, was chosen to lead the Israelites out of slavery. The prophets were chosen to speak words that didn't always bring the best news to groups of people that were rebelling in the most horrible ways. Even Jesus was chosen to come at a specific time, in a specific way, to accomplish a specific moment. Each moment was not a surprise and was ordained by God. Even the quote-unquote bad guys had their moment of rule, and it was never out of God's control. Throughout history, we read about leaders, world changers, or even local heroes that were in the right place at the right time. So, us being here, parenting the children we are parenting, living in the culture and world around us, this is not a surprise. It wasn't an accident. You are not an accident. You were chosen for this moment in time. You were chosen to parent your children. And your children were chosen to be here right now. This is not just the luck of the draw. If we look at it that way, keeping in mind that there is a reason for our family to be here, we can begin looking at the bigger picture and the end result. Do we throw the kids out and let them figure life out on their own? Of course not. And I'm going to share something with you that may or may not come as a surprise to you. No matter what anyone tells you, and I mean anyone, no one else on earth loves your children as much as you do. And no one else has their best interest at heart more than you do. So therefore, no one else has the right to overstep a line that you feel should not be crossed. No amount of education, experience, or opinion can overrule that fact that you know your children and what is best for them more than anyone else. So you have the right, the permission, the ability to stand up, speak out, and say enough is enough. You can decide at any given moment to say you are taking back your family. You can take the steps you need in order to protect the innocence the world is trying to rip away. Does this mean you will always be your kid's favorite person? No. Does this mean your friends or family will think you are making the right decision? Also no. But where is the line you are willing to draw in the sand and dare anyone to try and cross to get to your kids? Just because the world tells you it is normal For kids to learn about certain subjects at a young age doesn't make it fact. Just because the world tells you that unless your kid is exposed to certain things that they will be an outcast doesn't mean it's the right move to make. Since when do we have to share certain sensitive subjects with young children? To me, it is no different than when a child says they should get a $1,000 smartphone and they're eight years old because all their other friends have one. When did parents become so afraid to speak out or put their foot down and take control of what their children are learning about or being a part of? 
Just because someone in authority tells you, this is the way. And yes, I totally said it in a Mandalorian voice in my head. But just because someone in authority says that, it doesn't mean that it's the truth. We are smarter than that, my friend. We really are. Have you seen the phrase raising arrows before? I've seen it on shirts and mugs and other items. And I know that it is a great phrase to address raising our kids. The idea behind it, if I understand it correctly, is that we as parents are raising children that when we send them out into the world, they are prepped and ready and steadfast. And I agree. That being said, I am going to take it just a bit further than that. I believe, at least for me, I am raising warriors. I looked up a bit about warriors and found that a warrior stands against darkness. It doesn't succumb to darkness by losing faith or love. A spiritual warrior is one who lives a life with God and stands through life's battles with their head held high, believes and knows God is leading them in every aspect of their lives. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Joshua. He comes into play after Moses has died, and the Lord tells Joshua that he is now going to lead the Israelites. He tells them, no one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life. He continues by saying, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The story follows Joshua as he leads the people and instructs them that there would be a time of rest before continuing on to take the land that the Lord had promised them. After their time of rest, they began their journey and followed the commands that were given to them, both from Joshua and the Lord. There were about 40,000 equipped for war and crossing for battle to the desert plains of Jericho. Now stay with me because this gets super exciting. The Lord had dried up the Jordan River for the people to cross. This is a totally different story, but the same group that had been led across the dry ground of the Red Sea. This was done so that all the people on the earth would know that the hand of the Lord was mighty and that a healthy fear of him would be present. While the Israelites are preparing for the battle, they had to go through some other instructions in order to be in the right frame of physical, mental, and spiritual health. There was a moment when Joshua was by Jericho and looked up to see this man opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And he asked the man if he was for or against them, thinking he might be an enemy. And the man replied that he had come as the captain of the army of the Lord. Y'all, can you even imagine? I mean, you've been traveling, leading people, listening to God, doing everything you knew to do. And then suddenly this man, you know what Joshua did? He followed the instructions. He was a smart man. Now, back to the issue of Jericho. This was a tightly shut place. No one went in and no one came out. I can imagine it may have seemed like an impossible idea that anyone was going to be able to take it over. So the Lord gives Joshua strict marching plans. He tells him that he is to take the men of war and circle the city one time for six days. 
He told him to put seven priests to carry seven trumpets in front of the ark. And then he tells him that on the seventh day, they are to march around the city seven times and the trumpets should be blown. And when the trumpets were blown, all the people were to shout and the walls were supposed to fall down. So guess what they did? They followed the instructions. They did the marching one time every day for six days. Joshua told the people that they were not to shout. He was like, do not shout. Don't let your voices be heard during that time. Not one word. The trumpets were blown, but no one else spoke. They just marched. On the seventh day, they got up and began their march. On the seventh time around, Joshua says to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, but the city shall be designated for destruction. It and everything that is in it belongs to the Lord. The people, they begin shouting and the priests blow the trumpets and the wall fell down flat. Now, while I'm not exactly sure what the people inside of Jericho were thinking, obviously was not there. I don't know exactly what they were thinking over the course of those seven days. If they were anything like the people who made fun of Noah for building the ark when it wasn't even raining, I can imagine they probably thought the Israelites had lost their minds. I mean, how often do you hear of a secure and tightly shut wall or building crumble just from 40,000 people shouting and some trumpets being blown? They were likely thought to be crazy, stupid, naive, and who knows what else. The Israelites, however, knew what they were to do. They knew there was a time to rest and a time to take up the armor, following marching orders, and shout for victory. The battle of Jericho was about obedience, perseverance, patience, and a little splash, or rather a big splash, of musical praise. Our world is full of evil. It is tightly shut, but overflowing with darkness, fear, confusion, and sin. It would love nothing more than to take over your children's minds, leaving them to question anything you have ever taught them. But friend, now is not the time to be weak as parents. We are called to put on the full armor of God. Well, what does that mean? Ephesians 6 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is a spiritual battle and we you and I are here for this moment. God knew not only when you would be born, but also that you would be alive during this period of time. He is preparing us. 
He has been preparing us. All the things we have been through, the struggles, the pain, the confusion, the loss and frustration, everything that we have pushed through and come through has been a part of preparing us to be here right now and parenting the children he has given us. The children that he knew would be here in this moment with us as parents. Y'all, we are called to be warriors for the Lord, and we are raising warriors at the same time. We cannot sit back and passively raise our kids. I'm not saying I know how to do it all perfectly because I definitely do not. I am not a perfect parent. I don't homeschool perfectly. I don't have it all together. But for me, some of the things I am doing is choosing to homeschool my kids, even though it is hard a lot of times. Not only that, but the curriculum I'm using has been chosen intentionally. My kids each have their own devotional book, and I have them read them five days a week. They're short, on their level, and simple, but they understand them and enjoy them enough to bring it up to me at times and share something that stuck out to them without me prompting them. I'm not asking them to do that. The curriculum is teaching them things they need to know, they want to know, and is weaving Jesus throughout it beautifully. We pray before each lesson. We talk about hard topics. We do things as a family. We go to church together, and my husband has been teaching our son how to run the sound system. We're involving them in life. I am intentional with music that we play when running from activity to activity. I pray with each of my kids before bed and when I'm working, even though I work 24-hour shifts, my daughter will FaceTime me and we will pray over the phone before bed unless I get a call for some reason. I try to be intentional even with who our closest friends are, who we spend the most amount of time with. This isn't to say, oh, look at what I'm doing. I'm doing everything right. Because this has been a lot of years of trial and error and having my own soul-searching time with God. God has rocked my world. Even now, it is nowhere near perfect. And we still have plenty of days when there is groaning whenever I announce that it's time to do school. I'm simply sharing what we do to give you ideas that may help you see what is possible for your own family. At the beginning of this episode, I shared with you some of the things I loved when my kids were first born. I had no idea at the time what the world would look like today. And despite my determination and conviction of the choices we are making as a family, there are still moments when that stress floats in and tries to tempt me to question it all. We all want to be accepted. No one wants to be seen as being weak or incapable. We all have the desires to feel validated in our thoughts, decisions, and actions. But when it comes down to the end of life, when you look at and see the end of your parenting journey, will you be satisfied with the choices you made? Will you know you did your very best and listened to what the Lord wanted. There is a time for rest. Rest before battle. Preparing is imperative. Listening to instructions can be a life or death decision. We need to be preparing ourselves and our children for the battle ahead. 
the battle against the evil that will go through every little space possible to worm its way into our families. With the intentional listening of instructions, putting on the full armor of God, and teaching our children to do the same, we can be confident that the Lord will not desert us. He will be our protector and our leader. We are called to be strong and courageous. We need to lead our children to stand against darkness and not succumbing, to hold tight to faith and love, to live a life with God and stand through life's battles with their heads held high, believing and knowing God is leading them in every aspect of their lives because we are raising warriors. I am hoping this podcast finds those needing encouragement, support, or community. If that's you, you found a friend. If any of this has spoken to you, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with your friends or family, someone that came to mind. Let's encourage one another today, shall we? Make sure you are following or subscribing on the platform you're listening to. We've got more things to chat about, and I don't want you to miss any moment. I'll be sharing something really special on my Instagram this week. So if you are not following me over there, look me up at Imperfectly Pollyanna. I will leave a link to it in the show notes for you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you'll continue showing up as we find the good together. Remember, you are loved. And I am so glad you're here. See you next time.